Let us begin the session today with a conversation with Itai Sadan, co-founder and CEO of Duda, a very interesting company. We've been following Duda for a while now. Um, Itai, welcome back. We haven't talked in, in some years, so it's a pleasure to see you again and uh, catch up, and we, uh, we're going to dive into your story both the Genesis story as well as what has happened in the interim years a bit and present uh, your case study to our audience here. Welcome. Thank you, Sermana. Uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, just before the call, I was uh, looking at uh, when was the last time that we talked and it was indeed uh, in 2013. So It's been quite, quite a while, but uh, definitely remember our conversation back then early days of yeah. our journey, and it's great to uh, catch up again. Itai, you told me something in that conversation, uh, you know, eight years ago, that had stuck with me, and, I, and it was one of the earlier conversations that alerted me to the fact that there is a way of bootstrapping, a way of creative bootstrapping that we should take into account. And since then, we have turn that into one of our methodology elements in the One Million by One Million program. You and several others pointed me to it, which is bootstrapping with a paycheck. And in COVID, this trend has really taken off. Everybody is trying to now do something on the side and, and start tinkering, start experimenting with an idea. So that's where I would like to start our conversation I know you have bootstrap Duda with a paycheck, so let's let's start there. At the very beginning of your entrepreneurial journey, how did you manage to balance your job at SFP and starting Duda? Yes, uh, that that is correct, and I remember you you kind of coined that term bootstrapping uh, with a paycheck, which I kind of uh, liked, and I remember until today, um, and. Yeah, it is. It is one of the ways, and I'm sure I'm not the first one to to do that. Many before me, and as you mentioned, many uh, people now are actually they have their um, daytime work, and they have this idea that they're excited about, and they're working on that idea during nights and weekends, and uh, maybe financing it uh, with their you know regular uh, paycheck. Uh, and that's what we did in, in the early days as well. It even allowed us, you know, aside from paying for some of the hardware and software uh, to hire initially, uh, you know, two interns that we we paid uh, a salary for for a while. So it's, it's important to have a source um, of income. I know I've met, I've, I've also recommended it to other uh, entrepreneurs who were consulting with me and uh, were thinking about kind of jumping uh, jumping board from their current company and and starting something in the very early days it's it's very risky right you there's you can't uh, really assess how long it's going to take you to really gain uh, traction gain product market fit and the thing that will definitely kill your startup or your idea is when you kind of run out of resources uh, when you know either you get tired of what you're doing or uh, you're not able to finance it anymore. So I think you know entrepreneurs before taking the big leap 
need to really think about that this is going to be a long journey and it might take time uh, until they're actually able to finance it either with revenue or with uh, investor money and you need a very long runway. So Itai, uh, let's talk a little bit about the idea that you had for Duda. Um, what was going on around, it was 2008 when you came up with the idea for Duda, right? Yes, yeah, so the first incarnation of, of Duda was actually back then called Duda Mobile. Um, yeah, I think that. that's how it was called when you, you, uh, the company was called when you interviewed me and that was our initial product. Uh, the genesis was really kind of 2008, the first version of the iPhone came out and uh, we were amazed by you know, the experience of you know, finally having the web on kind of that small uh, screen. But we were, yeah. we were seeing how small businesses were really struggling uh, with engaging uh, with uh, customers, uh, with visitors on mobile phones. And, you know, websites back then were really kind of a lot of pinch and zoom through, uh, through the pages to that. That was kind of the experience that was there. And we were looking at some of the what early some kind of bigger companies were doing at the time, like Amazon and eBay. They created these great experiences. Uh, and our first product that we came out with was basically mimicking what Amazon and eBay did, kind of creating this great M dot. Uh, mobile site experience, we created a pretty cool technology that took a desktop site and converted it automatically for a small business to an MDOT site without requiring them to have any, you know, developer skill set, knowledge or, or know-how. And uh, we got a lot of traction. We got, you know, pretty quickly, we got to quite a few, you know, millions of sites on the platform from small businesses that so, really felt the pain. And, and um, your co-founding team you had a co-founder in the beginning right yes uh same co-founder is still today and good very good friend that i actually know since high school and he's uh the cto so this someone that amir. amir yeah uh we both yes. studied computer science together um in university we were college roommates and eventually we uh, you know connected again uh later and uh, started uh, duda and you were in Israel, and you, uh, the point at which you were doing Duda, uh, the beginning part of Duda, Amir and you, you were both working at SAP in Palo Alto. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It so happened that we were both working at SAP at the time in Palo Alto, and we both left SAP at the same time to start uh, Duda. Eventually, Amir moved back to Israel, and that's, he's, he's, he's here in Israel today until uh, with the R&D team, which is almost, uh, almost 100 people. Uh, in the R&D team, the company has 200 people today worldwide. I mean, I'm, I've remained in the Bay Area and I kind of run all the business aspects, sales, marketing, uh, and so on. And do you, um, when you started, both of you were coding? Yes, in the early days, both of us were coding. Um, I'm happy to say that my, my code is no longer in the product by now. There's uh, much smarter engineers that joined the company since and uh, the product has evolved quite a bit. But in the early days, uh, you know, everybody did what they needed to do and we needed to build the product. So I'm going to ask you a few questions that come up a lot in our conversations from the audience. One is, did SFP know that you were starting a company on the side? So we, we did get uh, an uh, approval from SAP that uh, whatever we were working on was not competitive. I recommend uh, for people to do that. 
Uh, I recommend also to consult with a good lawyer before you plan to do that. We did that. Make sure that you really kind of divide between you know, the, the things that you do for your company. You, you know, you need to dedicate the time that you're required to do the to you know to your daytime job and make sure that you're working on your spare time with your own hardware, with your own software, with your own resources. And we consulted with a good lawyer that helped us uh, set it up. So I think that's that's really important and good that you brought that up. Yeah. And um, talk about validation while you were still at SAP and building this product. Um, how did you validate that this is something that customers were going to pay for? Yeah, so uh, what we did is um, early days we you know, kind of walk, you know, we were selling, we wanted our customers, uh, you know, we were targeting small businesses and there's plenty of small businesses around us. So we just went knocking on doors and talking to small businesses and showing them, you know, asking them basically if they needed mobile sites. So that's uh, some of the customers we got that way. Uh, Also put uh, really a very low amount of dollars on AdWords uh, with kind of some direct messaging, again, asking small businesses if they needed uh, mobile sites. Back then, it was not a DIY tool like it is today. Uh, we kind of used the tool that we were building in the back end and provided the end oh. mobile sites as a, as a professional service. So we were kind of um, acting almost as an agency uh, in the early days. Mm-hmm. Great. So um, by the time you chose to quit SAP and go full-time with Duda Mobile at the time, um, what were the metrics? Did you had some revenues, you had some customers, you knew you could sell this service at least. The product was not quite ready yet, but were, were you kind of breaking even at least? Were you able to cover your expenses? What was the situation? Um so the point that we actually left SAP is when we felt like we were starting to get uh, real traction with a, a very big customer. Back then it was uh, AT&T. Uh, somehow they reached out to us out of, out of the blue. And um, as kind of conversations continued, uh, we realized that you know, a deal could be made and it was pretty imminent. And at that point, we decided to, to leave SAP. Um, we still, like the revenues were... There were no revenues almost at that at that time were very minimal. We also had very, very minimal expenses, but kind of right after leaving SAP about three months later, we kind of signed the deal with AT&T and more or less in parallel in the same three months, uh, we, we got our first uh, angel investment uh, from uh, Oranzev. So, um, you know, the Thumb rule for me, after looking at many, many case studies, including yours, is validation is the operating principle of bootstrapping with a paycheck. There are a lot of ideas that actually don't validate. You can come up with an idea, you can even write code, but there is no guarantee that customers want your product. So it's, it's really, you need to understand that customers want your product, and that's the validation that you should aim for. Not necessarily break-even, not necessarily revenue, not necessarily any of these other things, but but validation is, for me, validation is the operating principle of when you actually quit your full-time job and 
take the full leap into a startup. Do you agree? I I agree. I agree, and it's it's a hard thing to really kind of draw the line. What is validation, right? Um, and I think for for me, like validation was either you're getting a lot of traction with a lot of small customers, uh, which actually at that point, even though that was our goal, we still didn't have that. We you know we were building sites and maybe we had a few customer small business customers here and there, but it was not enough to validate the idea. Actually, AT and T itself was the validation. So. So if you're not getting a lot of a large volume of customers, you need to get, you know, I feel like a, a, a really big customer, a big customer. And the moment that you have validation, it's actually then it's when investors get interested. Uh, we were talking to investors, you know, all 2009 and 2009 was a very tough year. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, and um, and nobody was interested in investing. And the moment we landed AT&T kind of, you know, the ears perked and um and and we got the our first investors so i think this is it's it's hard i know this is probably the hardest part to get that traction but this is also what you need as an entrepreneur for validation this is what investors are kind of wanting to yeah. see that's another and, and, time rule investors do not invest without validation not anymore sorry uh, sermon i didn't uh, can you repeat the question yeah, I, what I said, that is another thumb rule. Investors do not invest without validation. If, so if right. your game plan is right. you're going to quit your job and you're going to raise money, well, nobody's going to invest in you unless you have a validated business. And exactly. That's what was a really important piece of your problem. Yeah, so many, I, I feel like so many entrepreneurs don't really understand that. They feel like uh, investors, you know, like risk. They, they, they hate risk. They want to take risk off the table. It's actually your job as an entrepreneur to take that risk off the table. They want to invest in something that they feel, uh, you know, it's kind of the train is on the tracks and it's going and their money is going to help fuel fuel growth. You know, I remember, you know, one of uh, one of the investors that I, I met early on gave me an example where uh, a very you know, famous uh, entrepreneur, uh, back then it was not famous, but uh, one of the big companies, uh, a company that later became big, but came in the early stages. And the entrepreneur said, um, you know, I need money every second day. We need to add another servers. We can't handle the load. That's traction, right? That's like that's what investors like to invest in, you know. Yes, if your problem is that you don't have enough servers to handle the load, this is a problem that we can help you with. Right. Um, and that's maybe an extreme, so, uh, like extreme, like uh, not. It's it's very very hard to get there, but I think there's kind of middle ground of where you start to feel traction. Yeah. So it's like, um, if you are indicating that you very early on you faced the positioning shift. You were thinking that you were going to cater to small, lots of small businesses, and here you are, AT&T is calling you, and AT&T wants to buy your product. So does, did that make you switch the business to an enterprise business? No, we actually went in parallel. So, um, you know, we, we were really intrigued with uh, going enterprise because, you know, it, it seemed easy. You get one one big customer, and through them, for us, it was a channel into many small businesses that uh, this group inside AT and T was uh, catering to. But then we discovered that getting kind of the second, third, fourth AT and T was very, very difficult. 
So I think we were a little bit lucky there. Uh, the yeah. good thing is that we went in parallel. We continued to grow our, you know, eventually we made our product a DIY where, you know, small businesses worldwide could uh, access our, our product and use it. Uh, today, our, our product is, you know, has evolved quite a bit. It's a fully uh, responsive website builder for web professionals. So we started mobile, we kind of uh, became fully responsive. And, and now we've kind of even honed in not just businesses, but pe you know, web professionals, web designers, digital agencies, people who are building websites for small businesses. But we were always kind of both and we continue to do enterprise deals today. We have about 50, I would call them enterprise grade customers. And we have over 17,000 uh, small agencies, freelancers, web designers using our product. And the 50 uh, large enterprises are uh, operate as your channel partners? Yes, that is correct. So um, in the early years, let's say we think about 2010, 12, you know, let's say up to 15, what were the most important things, strategic moves that you made that helped you find this traction? I mean, 50 channel partners, 50 large enterprise channel partners is a very significant deal. 17,000 agencies is a very significant deal. So in acquiring those channel partners and, and uh, agency partners, what were the moves? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's, you know, there's no silver bullet. It's a lot of like small jumps along the way that kind of help you grow and scale and both from, you know, uh, building a better product, eventually building a sales team, a marketing team, getting more customers. So a lot of sequential things that we did along the way. Uh, definitely there were, you know, ups and downs in that journey. Um, and I think the most important thing is probably maintaining that product market fit all through the, through the years. Uh, our market shifted uh, in certain ways. As I mentioned, we started with mobile sites and suddenly we discovered, you know, our, our end customers were not interested in building just mobile sites and separately tablet sites or desktop sites. They wanted to build it once it runs, runs everywhere and we needed to reinvent ourselves and build a new product, which was a responsive website builder that, uh, you know, that where you basically build it once and it runs on all devices. So that's an evolution that we did and, and really made us, you know, made sure that we would stay relevant. Uh, if we would have continued to just, you know, our mobile product was making already millions of dollars and it, you know, and my founder and I came to the company and said, you know, we can't bank on this. I know it's, we, we know it's still growing, but the, the future is not here. The future is somewhere else. And we needed mm -hmm. to kind of reinvent. And it's not just that we reinvented the product. By the time we launched it, we noticed that we were in direct competition with some other, you know, big website builders like, you know, Wix and Squarespace and Weebly and, and others. And we needed to find ourselves again. And this time it was, uh, like deciding what's unique about us, what's our differentiation, what's our reason to exist in this market. And that's when we honed on the web professionals, the web designers, the more advanced type of user. So also that question, you know, the, the product market fit changes from both sides, both on the product side, both on the market, you know, with a continuous question of who is my customer, right? I think that's 
probably one of the hardest questions to an entrepreneur is like, who is my customer? Because that question all the time evolves. It never stays the same. So when did you zero in on the more advanced customer, which is the agencies and the web developers, more sophisticated web developers, which definitely differentiates you from the Shopify's and the Wix's of the world. When did you come to that conclusion and implement that into your uh, execution strategy? Yeah, that happened in uh, around 2015. Uh, so as we were launching our you know, our second product, the responsive website builder, uh, we thought we would be the first to market with a, a fully responsive website builder. It's not that we mm -hmm. didn't know that the competition would possibly be there. It just, it took us a lot longer time than we thought to develop it. And by the time we came out to market, you know, uh, Wix and others already and added mobile. They, they came from the desktop space, so they had mobile. So we, at, the, at that point we understood, okay, we need to hone down on who our customer is. And we were looking at our user base and about 50% of them were these small businesses. The other 50% were these web designers, digital agencies, more of advanced users. And that segment was, A, was growing faster uh, mm -hmm. than small businesses for us. Uh, we, we felt we understood them better. You know, our, I think we're kind of coming from more of an engineering background. We like to build more sophisticated stuff for a more advanced user. Um, and we just made the decision in 2015 that we are going to become a profession, uh, a company for web professionals. Uh, from that day on, we didn't spend a dollar on acquiring a small business anymore. We said uh, we're only going to be focusing on, on, on these web professionals. And that brought a lot of focus and a lot of clarity to the company that helped propel the company forward from 215 to where it is today. Because from that mm -hmm. moment onwards, you know, marketing knew how to, you know, at what level to, to message. Uh, yeah. Sales knew who their customer was. R&D knew which features to be to prioritize up until then we were kind of you know tr we were torn between these two types of users where you know small businesses were asking for simplicity and the advanced users were asking give us more complex more flexible features so it, it really helped the company to to choose kind of the customer type and how does the financing strategy overlay on these evolutions. You raised your first mm -hmm. angel round on the basis of the AT&T deal and catering to small businesses. AT&T was, was gonna be a channel to cater to small businesses. Uh, what were the next financing rounds? And uh, before 2015, before you make this major shift, what were the financing yeah. rounds? Yeah, um, so we've, we had multiple rounds all along, right? We were already um, 11 years, and in these 11 years, we had multiple rounds. Uh, initially, uh, we did a seed round and an A round uh, in kind of, I would say, 2010, 2011, 2012, we already did our B round. So by then, mm -hmm. we were already getting close to maybe um, getting just shy of 10 million. Um, in and then in sorry, 10 million that we take 10 million raised and revenue probably around, revenue was more or less around 6 million. 
But then we started okay. hitting some of these challenges of moving, you know, moving between products, moving between customer bases. Uh, and for about two years, between 214 and 216, revenue stayed flat. Uh, mm -hmm. Those were not, those were pretty difficult years. Uh, you know, you, um, I don't, we couldn't raise outside investments. So we had the support and, and thankfully we had the support uh, of our existing investors. Uh, who mm -hmm. were great. I think people who were inside the company saw how the new product was starting to gain traction, but it was still yeah. very early traction. Uh, okay. You know, when you're when you're making kind of already six, $6 million dollars in a product that you think does not have a future and is starting to decline, and on the other hand, you have a new product that is starting to accelerate. You know, it's kind of uh, you know these trade-offs are causing you know, top line to stay flat. But people internally were excited about the new product, and they believed in the new product. And uh, eventually, by 2016, you know, our new product was more than 50% of revenue, and kind of we we knew that we were out of the woods at that point. And I think in our next round was, um, if I'm not mistaken, maybe uh, a, I think our next big round. We we still did a couple of. You know, in a round, but our, and then we brought it in our C round in 2019. But by then, we, you know, by two, by 2000, kind of 17, 18, 19, nobody was kind of thinking about the old mobile product. Everybody had their eyes on kind of the the new product. The so, agency product. Yeah, and yeah, and today, today, like we've sunsetted that the the older product. And how long did it take to, for the revenue to get back to a Super growth stage that enabled you to get to a CVC financing. Yeah, uh, by then we were, you know, way above uh, the numbers that I mentioned uh, earlier. So we we were now, you know, business was accelerating. Remember, to, I'm two fourteen, two sixteen, almost almost no, you know, single digit growth. Getting out of two sixteen into two seventeen, eighteen, we were now like, you know, growing 30, 40 percent year over year. So okay. it's like. Uh, it, it was a different, uh, different ball game, and that yeah. that enabled us to get the C round, and we just did uh, a D round um, uh, in you know, t in 2021. Just like we just announced it in June this year. Yeah, I saw that. How much was that? That was a large round, right? Yes, that was 50 million. So so far, uh, we've raised 100 million in in these 11 years. And in this last 50 million round, did you? give liquidity to earlier investors or employees or is it all growth financing uh, the majority the majority of it is growth financing growth financing okay so um and what what are the metrics right now you gave us some metrics seventeen thousand agency partners um any other metrics number revenue numbers customer you know site numbers yeah. whatever you're comfortable with yeah well, I, I can share that we have now uh, one million sites on the platform. One million sites, and on this the is one one million paying published sites. And are you getting close to an IPO? What's what is your thinking? Um, yeah. It's been a while you've been doing this. Right. Yeah, we definitely have our eyes set for it. I think it's still a little bit early, so uh, nothing planned for right now. But I think we could be there in probably you know, two to three years. Great. Great. And um, um, how are we doing on time? I know you have to run. 
yeah um, yeah i can i can go a few more minutes if you have uh, additional questions i have one i have one major point that i want to explore before we uh, adjourn yeah um repeatability so there are two things that you've done which i'm sure have a major impact on your growth rate which is one, you have been able to repeatably acquire agency customers. Two, you've been able to repeatably acquire large enterprise channel partners. Could you talk a little bit about your, you know, marketing and sales strategy and process that has enabled that repeatability? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, it's two different sales, marketing sales motions uh, on on kind of the what are the what we call SMA small medium agency, it's really mostly marketing driven. Uh, we do everything from, you know, PPC, uh, search, SEO, you know, or, organic. Uh, you know, we bring trials through or, or, uh, organic means, PR, and and so forth. And mm -hmm. uh, we have a very uh, well-defined funnel in a, in our on our website where these uh, leads come in, sign up for a 14-day free trial, and it's really mostly self-service. Uh, they don't need to speak to anyone unless they need technical support or want to talk to a salesperson. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's really the sales motion um, on on that front, and really it's like getting more and more, you know, to accelerate and to grow there. It's it's just about getting more and more of these agencies. But it's a uh, digital marketing uh, uh, engine, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's really to be on top of the metrics and constantly optimize that funnel. Uh, mm -hmm. From the marketing to the conversion that happens inside the funnel. So uh, this is joint work of two teams in Duda, both the marketing team and what we call uh, product growth team, uh, which kind of works further down in the funnel. Um, and then, right. and then, and then we have the, you know, when enterprise is, is as I mentioned, is a completely different uh, sales motion. There is that, that's where you start to have you have to have salespeople, uh, yes. BDRs, salespeople, sales engineers, uh, account managers to be able to acquire uh, enterprise grade uh, companies. So you know, today in Dido, we probably have. Sorry. Is it mainly the telcos? Um, today, our enterprise customers they fall into three segments. It's uh, hosting companies, uh, mm -hmm. YPs, uh, yellow pages, or really big agencies, and mm -hmm. then SaaS platforms. So any any SaaS platform that caters to small businesses uh, mm -hmm. that wants to integrate a website builder in order to offer websites to their small business clients. We are a great mm. solution for that. So these are the three types of customer segments we go after in the Very enterprise good. space. And of the 1 million uh, sites that are on the platform, uh, how does that break down into large enterprise channels and versus digital agencies? Yeah. Well, we, we don't share exact numbers, but I, the majority is uh, through these big through big channels big channels okay very good yeah. uh, Itai, i know you have to run so i'm gonna uh, let you go and i we are following your journey very closely and i'm 
thrilled to see that, you know, since 2013 when we spoke, you've gone through iterations, but it all has come out right. And congratulations for that. Thank you very much. And uh, it's great staying in touch and uh, looking forward to catching up again in a couple of years and seeing where we are. Absolutely. And, yeah, Absolutely. Keep, keep doing the great work of uh, supporting entrepreneurs. Thank you. Okay. Folks, Bye -bye. I'm going to start you on the entrepreneur pitch session, but I'm going to make a few comments on what you just heard from Itai. This bootstrapping with a paycheck trend is huge right now. Um, I think something like 6.6 .6 million businesses have been registered during the pandemic in America. And from what I'm hearing, a lot of people are doing bootstrapping with a paycheck. So, um, so it's something that we are double-clicking down on and um, making more knowledge and expertise and you know, methodology available to you. We have believed in this all along. So I would say we have been very early adopters of bootstrapping with a paycheck. Um, generally, incubators and accelerators do not support bootstrapping with a paycheck entrepreneurs. They want you to do it full time. We are a complete exception. One million by one million is fully with you. If you decide to do bootstrapping with a paycheck, we have zero problem supporting your work. So uh, pay attention to this methodology and definitely if you're going down this path, as you can see, Itai has had no difficulty raising $100 million and getting to a million sites on this product that he has built, he started building way back when. So, yeah, it has taken a bit longer. There's been, you know, some changes, but a lot of those changes that you heard in Itai's journey are market shifts also, right? When you're in the market, the market is a dynamic animal. Things happen. You know, competition surfaces, new technology comes from, uh, you know, in, in this case, the smartphone is the genesis of the Duda idea. Without the smartphone, there would be no Duda. So that was the beginning in 2007 when Apple came out with the iPhone. That is the beginning of the smartphone revolution. But then there have been other things that are happening, the, the, you know, the Wix movement of uh, do-it-yourself, uh, really easy websites and so forth is one movement. And then there is all kinds of experiences that you can now provide in a mobile setting and that's another trend. So, so there's all kinds of market trends that you have to keep in mind. But I just want to underscore one simple point. You have to start somewhere. You can start as a solo entrepreneur. You can start bootstrapping with a paycheck. You can start bootstrapping using services. And eventually, you're going to become you know, successful at different levels. But you have to start somewhere. And we have tried over the years, over a decade, we have try to give you mechanisms and methodology with which you can have a successful early journey. You have to survive to succeed. That is the main you know, takeaway. So learn how to survive in the early phase.